0: Welcome to UIDP Conversations, where we have candid discussions about partnership and collaboration across academia, industry, and government. I'm Sandy Ma with UIDP, and today I'm joined by John Bamforth, Director of the Eshelman Institute for Innovation at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Welcome John. Good morning. John, you are among the leaders of a new initiative, the Rapidly Emerging Antiviral Drug Discovery Initiative, or READY. A great name that is trying to get ahead of the next pandemic. tell us about ready and how all this came about
1: absolutely um, so in, believe it or not uh, this this uh, initiative was put in place a couple of years ago before anybody had even heard of covid nineteen which is really uh, which right now <laughs> it feels like covid nineteen has been with us forever right yeah no two two years ago we uh, the institute that I run uh, alongside some other funding bodies at uh, UNC funded this project, which is a, it's a collaboration across three schools at UNC, uh, the School of Medicine, School of Pharmacy, and, uh, and the School of Public Health. And one of the reasons that UNC is rated as the number one COVID-19 research institution in the US by, uh, by Microsoft is, is that we have a lot of talent. Uh, on UNC around virology, around drug discovery, and around public health. And so we, the we team, two years ago, uh, because of what we've been seeing around pandemics and the speed of the emergence of pandemics, uh, believed we needed to be a little bit more strategic in terms of planning for these pandemics, and put a process in place to start to build this drug discovery effort to have antivirals novel antivirals, new antivirals, sitting on the shelf, ready to go one of these, when one of these pandemics appeared. And then fast forward a few, uh, you know, about 18 months, and here we are, right? We're sitting in the wow. middle of COVID-19. So in many ways, we were in the right place at the right time. The team had been thinking ahead. And hence, we started to put ready in place. And we've, uh, we've moved the ball forward significantly. But that's the ready idea, is being prepared for the next pandemic. I know none of us really want to think about that because we're all trying to get past COVID-19 and get back to some normality, but the reality is we think we need to do a better job of planning, and I think COVID-19 demonstrates that that's a need.
0: Oh, definitely, in spades. Um, well, Reddy's partners are, are fantastic. Um, they're from around the world, um, and you're using an open science model. What does that look like in a field that is as competitive as we know pharmaceutical research tends to be?
1: sure well we think about it in a couple of frames so open science in particular one of our partners is an organization called the structural genomics consortium sgc we are unc is is the us site for sgc it's a global organization that's set up to discover novel targets and probes for, for, for disease and the concept is at this that stage when you're looking at the human genome and trying to find novel targets for disease, the more you share openly, the more you'll find. And so that collaboration that we have across several universities around the world that includes places like Karolinska, University of Toronto, and several others, is a great example, I think, of where that open science concept comes together. I think where that science then, that open science has transitioned to essentially is into a collaboration with the industry. Because once you've discovered those targets, you need drugs against those targets and novel drugs often against those targets. And that's where our partners in the industry come in. And then we start to think about global access. So once we have these drugs, we wanna make sure as we partner with our pharmaceutical friends, pharmaceutical company friends, that they're thinking about making sure with these antivirals that will be accessed to the globe, that this is uh, gonna be priced in a way that everybody around the world will be able to use them.
0: Yes, because that's always a concern. You have all the big pharmaceutical companies practically in this, this alliance. Yes. Can you share with our audience who some of those partners are?
1: Absolutely, so um, one of the advantages of, of SG, SGC being a founding partner with us is, is, is men, SGC is funded by uh, many of the large pharma companies, so it's been very easy for us to, to reach out to those partners. Um, but we started actually with the universities. So we've got uh, multiple universities who have had dialogue with so far around joining the ready effort. Uh, so from universities like uh, University of Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, you name it, Monash in Australia, UCL in London, we've had dialogues around partnering with, with those institutions on this own open science concept. Early signs are very positive. Everybody seems, understandably, with COVID-19, Uh, Everybody seems to want to be involved, which is great. And then from a pharma perspective, many of the major pharma companies have already expressed interest from Takeda, a Japanese company, as you know, through to Pfizer and uh, my old company, Eli Lilly and Company. Uh, Many, many pharma companies, I think, and you've seen that within COVID-19, really do want to help solve these problems.
0: Well, that's a really broad constituency. (laughs) So from your point of view, what are the concerns around collaboration that keep you up at night?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I'll start with UNC alone. Um, you know, UNC claims and, and has a culture of uh, a collaborative campus. Uh, but nonetheless, we're bringing together three schools uh, with their own independent thinkers and big bureaucracies are always an interesting challenge. So UNC alone bringing together three entities into a single strategic effort is a challenge. Uh, be it the, the senior, getting senior folks on board, but down to individual investigators. You know, getting everybody moving in the same direction is an interesting challenge on an individual campus. Throw in 10, 12, 20 other universities. You can imagine the complexity there. And then just to add to that dynamic, throwing big corporations, fortune 200 often corporations into the mix, it's it's a large number of people, it's a large number of cultures and big corporations and getting them to move in the same strategic direction is probably the one thing that does keep me awake at night. It's certainly a challenge.
0: You know, in one sense, no one would have wished, of course, for COVID-19 to have become what it is. But in another sense, thinking back, it really has galvanized people to think in a more collaborative way. In order to get these problems solved that are global problems, we really do have to decide that we're, we all have the same goal, and so we should work together.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, the interesting thing uh, that's happened over the last few months is we've kind of accelerated the ready mission because of COVID-19 in many ways. Several interesting things, I think, have occurred around through the lens of collaboration. One is, you know, I think uh, you've seen from pharma, you know, and we all know right now with COVID nineteen, without the pharmaceutical industry right now developing vaccines and novel therapeutics, I think we'd all be in we'd all be in bad shape. We're very reliant on the industry now to deliver, you know, down to mass scale manufacture of vaccines once we have them. You know, there's going to be a pretty big demand. For vaccines, once we have them, hopefully. Oh, yes. Um, so we're very reliant on those organizations. But I think we have seen some good behavior. Uh, you know, probably a biased opinion of somebody who worked in pharma for, for 30 years. But, you know, when you've had Gilead donating three months worth of, of remdesivir, you know, you've, being, you've seen them offering up to generic manufacturers to, to manufacture remdesivir around the world. So you've seen some be- behaviors, I think, from pharma that I think is nice to see. Um, But the other thing for me, which is a a little bit tactical, but nonetheless, I think it's a a great observation. You know, one of the interesting things that has happened for us at Ready is a lot of people volunteering their time. I think people within the COVID-19 environment want to help in some way, shape or form. And so we've had multiple folks offer time for free, a lot of pro bono work. Uh, from, believe it or not, uh, ex-Navy SEALs with two purple hearts through to um, marketing, marketing agencies who you know, built websites for us for free. I mean, there's a, a massive amount of effort that's gone into this, this work that, frankly, has all been volunteer work, which has been fantastic and somewhat unexpected, to be honest. You know, n- at no point did we set out on this journey to say, hey, we can get all these people to work for free. But the reality is they've all stepped up and, and it's been great, great, great to see and it's been a huge help.
0: That's great. Reinforces your faith in mankind. Absolutely. <laughs> well, there are distinct stages that Ready set out um, in the approach. Um, and it, the first several are based at the university level, as, as you've said, but you are already bringing industry and government along with you. So, how important is it for an organization like this that has long-term goals and a, and a real strategic mindset to get all those parties interested in and, and engaged early on, rather than just wait until okay, now we bring those those stakeholders in?
1: Well, you know, first of all, to do this, it's a it's a significant financial challenge, right? Uh, to develop, um, you know, novel pharmaceuticals. Uh, is a, you know that we we think to do what we want to do, and our goal is to have five novel antivirals at, at, at the stage of phase one, getting through phase one testing, which essentially is um, early safety data in humans. Right? Um, to do that is it's a costly exercise. Uh, we think it'll take something in the order of half a billion dollars to do this work. So that's uh that's a big ask, um, and so. To get to a number like that is clearly a small university in North Carolina is not going to do that on its own, and so uh, we we felt like we had to reach out early we had to have a lot of dialogue and that 's what my institute the institute that I run uh, or should I say our institute not my institute that i run um, we 've been very active to to build those partnerships. Uh, we also think there 's a window um, you know right now covid nineteen makes this Uh, this effort really uh, clear in people's minds the importance of of this sort of planning Uh, we think people at least from our past experience once we get through COVID-19 people will forget pretty quickly that we went through uh, some of the pain and so we think there's a window to solve this strategic issue for the globe and uh, we'd like to be part and parcel of doing that.
0: So, what is one challenge and what is one opportunity you want to share about partnership that you've learned thus far?
1: Yeah, I, I, I go back on the challenge side. Um, without doubt, it's the complexity of the breadth of partnership that we're talking about here. Um, you know, to, to ensure that we get to this aspirational goal of five novel antivirals will take, you know, will take a village. Uh, a global village, um, but that adds to complexity, and uh, we're going to have to leave a lot of um, preconceived ideas and 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 some of the biases that we bring to the table to the side uh, to ensure that we get to uh, get to this solution. Um, on the opportunity side of things, uh, I don't think any of us uh, want to be in this situation again if we can avoid it. Um, you know, I don't think any of us want to live constantly in a Zoom world. I think we'd like to spend time hugging grandparents and going to uh, birthday parties and weddings, et cetera. Uh, we are at the end of the day, human beings. And so for ready to be a part of the solution, uh, the therapeutic part of the solution for us to be better planned, uh, for that future state, because unfortunately these pandemics will occur again. I mean, it's the, they're coming more frequently than they ever did before. Uh, they happened before COVID-19. Some people will try and tell you different, the pandemics have happened before, and they will happen again. And so we believe we can, from an opportunity perspective, be part of the solution.
0: Thinking about COVID-19 and the current situation, but thinking more broadly about innovation, what have we learned about cooperation and collaboration between business and academia and our ability to address issues when we really need to?
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a a lot of political discussion, particularly here in the U.S. right now around COVID-19, which in many ways isn't isn't helpful on any side. The the thing that's encouraging is, you know, as part of this Ready Team right now, the the thing that's been encouraging to us is the willingness of people to jump in and move quickly. Um, You know, we've obviously got some things going on here in the U.S., Um, from the federal government around Project Warp Speed, et cetera. But when we look at uh, what we've seen through that lens, you know, the the speed that we've been able to get things uh, done in this environment is pretty dramatically different than the past. You know, I think there have been some really positive moves in terms of funding uh, federally uh, here in the US to get things done quickly. Uh, the FDA has been much more open to reviewing things with speed. Um, they've, they've removed some of the, the kind of legal restrictions in terms of moving therapeutics and vaccines forward rapidly. Um, and so I, I, I think that there's a lot to be um, encouraged about. You know, there, we know the challenges, we know some of the dialogue that happens in the press on a daily basis. But behind the scenes, I think we're seeing very positive things in our ability to innovate with speed when we're put in these challenging situations. And yes, you know, we're all living in this virtual world for a period of time. But I think, we'll end up, I think we'll end up reflecting back to say, wow, we actually got some things done remarkably quickly, given the circumstances we're in. And many, much of that will have come from partnership between universities and from uh, the federal government and, and, and the industry.
0: Do you think those lessons will carry forward? Do you think that we're going to take some of what we've learned about we can really do this if we shed a few of these um, challenges and these barriers, and we could get other things done too? Is that is that something that you think will carry forward?
1: You know, I, I I would hope this is enough of an emotional experience of us all with COVID nineteen, um, because you know, again, with some of the unfortunate kind of death tolls that we're seeing here with this disease, I, you know, for many of us, we'll have had it some sort of, ex- most of us, or should I should say, will have, will have had some sort of ex- people experience, right? A, a death in the family, unfortunately, or somebody that we know that will cause us to say, you know, we really don't want this to happen again. Let's, let's think about this in a, in a, uh, in a broader and more expansive, more thoughtful way that will get us to better, Uh, Strategic solutions with speed um, because I don't think uh, the globe can afford, certainly economically, to be hit by these types of pandemics in the way that we've been hit by COVID 19.
0: In all of that you've been doing in the lead up and getting ready off the ground, what has most surprised you?
1: I actually think there are two things. Uh, The the first for me uh, is the willingness uh, of a broad array of people. To collaborate, um, the willingness to put aside, I think, biases that were probably there, in particular between academia and the industry, uh, assumptions that people made around what academics did and maybe what the industry, biopharmaceutical industry did. I think a lot of those things have been put to the side. I think that's a healthy thing. The second piece for me is uh, I'll go back to the humanity that we've seen in these moments. And, and I think to see the broad array. Of individuals that stepped up to us and volunteered their time. And some of them have been working almost full time on this effort, free of charge, offering up their agent, you know, marketing agency resources free of charge to put some of these things in place. You know, it gives you, when you're hearing lots of negativity in the news around the world, uh, around the COVID 19, to see individuals step up and offer those sorts of, that sort of help. Uh, is extremely encouraging, and it's nice to see good news come alongside some of the negativity that's around COVID-19.
0: Oh, indeed, it it is encouraging. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't ask?
1: No, this this is great to talk to you. Um, you know, Ready is uh, is marching along with the help of a lot of people, and uh, we hope we can put some things in place that we maybe we can have a face-to-face podcast interview at some point, in the not too distant future, That's, uh, that would be a nice place to be.
0: Thank you to John Bamford, director of the Eshelman Institute for Innovation at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, for joining us today for UIDP Conversations. And join both of us September 21st through 25th for UIDP Connect, our virtual conference that connects you with the influencers behind innovative R&D collaboration. Learn more at uidp.org.